0: Welcome to Radio. Coming up, why one hydration company is trying to steer away from sugar. Let's
1: redo this. If we had to do it all over again, how would we create a sports drink? And that's how noon started. And it's really high in electrolytes. It's very low in sugar and calories, purposely. So you can pick your fuel source. And therefore, it's so easy on your stomach. And yet, you get fewer muscle cramps as a result. You know, your muscles feel more pliable. And there's just a bigger spring and energy to
0: it. The joy of reaching the finish line of a first marathon.
2: The last mile, of course, is, does feel like the longest mile. Um, and my earbud died in the last mile, but it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise because I was able to hear the crowd from the stadium. And when I ran into the stadium, they announced my name, and that was like the best feeling ever. So, yeah, it was it was a great run.
0: And discovering the will to go on in an obstacle race.
3: I'm having a conversation myself, going, "Why the bleep am I doing this? <laughs> I'm not getting paid to do it. I didn't volunteer. I paid to do this, and I, and I could quit. I, I could stop. I could walk off the course, and there's really no foul with that. But it's it's the it's the conversation that you have with yourself and the sources of motivation that you explore, that that you find the motivation to go the next mile, and one more mile, and then one more mile. And so I I just find that quite fascinating, that journey of getting comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: On this edition of iRun Radio, we'll talk to the CEO of Noon Hydration, who is on the cover of the latest edition of iRun, also a runner who just completed her first marathon. And we'll talk to an obstacle racer who's trying to complete a series of endurance tests this year. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of iRun, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben.
4: Hey there.
0: How are you today?
4: Hey, I'm. Uh, thanks, God, I'm feeling good.
0: Right on. And I know you were in Vegas with your dad at the NHL yeah. Awards. That's pretty that's cool. That's
4: right. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, it's exciting. It's cool to see him. It's cool to see Sidney Crosby, and it's cool to see Brent Burns. And it's you know, they really conduct themselves in a very congenial manner and they're really uh they're nice guys to root for and it was a pleasure getting an opportunity to chat with them and uh yeah it felt it was a lot of fun
0: more importantly you got to hang out with your dad which is great
4: yeah that's right and it was lost to my dad he was like who is that guy again and i was like dad it's sydney he's a really good hockey player <laughs> but uh you know yeah it was great it was great and uh and the weather was wonderful too i i just i went to school in tucson arizona And I'm a person that just uh, appreciates the heat. I really enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, I was happy to be back in the desert.
0: Okay. And since you got back, it's been warmer at last. So have you been enjoying the running weather back home?
4: I know what you're asking me is, have I done my run with my shirt off yet? And the answer is no, I haven't. (laughs) But I am looking forward to doing that uh, soon. Because that really represents me at my peak confidence zone, you know? You yeah. can't just not just anyone would just do you ever do that?
0: I've run with my shirt off, sure. On on really hot days, yeah. I yeah, if I'm I, soaked with sweat and it's starting to really bug me, then I then I take it off, yeah.
4: Uh-huh. So you but even if you know that it's hot outside and you're going for a run, you won't just sans shirt at, at right from the beginning. I don't think
0: no, I don't think I've ever left the house with no shirt. But I've come <laughs> back without <laughs> one. Yeah.
4: It really requires a certain mind state and i you've been to my home before i don't live in rural nebraska you know i'm sort of in the in the thick of things on college street and and, uh in downtown toronto so it's not like i'm entirely unnoticed although it's not exactly like i'm noticed either you know it seems like nobody really cares but
0: still that's um, the that's the bottom line is nobody does care but uh with you know any of those things that we worry about right how people are looking at us and all of that but Uh, the one thing I would say is probably what stops me from uh, leaving the house with no shirt is I just can't be bothered to put that much sunscreen on.
4: Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that is the thing. More important than sunscreen, though, I think, really, is a hat. I mean, the one thing that I absolutely cannot leave. Well, the pants I can't leave home without, but the main thing I really can't leave home without is a hat. Yeah. When I when it comes
0: to shorts, you know, forget what I said about people not looking that they they would never look at you like (laughs) you're crazy. You do need to wear shorts. Okay. Let's let's make sure that's clear. You have to wear shorts.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Right about okay. that. I guess for listeners who this who list their first dalliance with running, you should wear. You know, we're pretty. We're, we're brand. uh, You know, you could use whatever brand you want. You can wear whatever shoes you want. You can try barefoot. You can do whatever. But you should wear something. Yeah, it's just you
0: know, it's just <laughs> polite. But the hat is important to you.
4: It is. It is. It, there's nothing worse than. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm a bald man. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ashamed. And. uh yeah, so with no covering, especially on a, you know on a long run, forget about it. But also, I think they're a deterrent to those red winged blackbirds. The red winged blackbirds, which actually I went on a run uh, earlier today, and I outran one. You know, okay. they come swooping and they come for your head and they come from behind, and I probably ran my fastest 400 meters on record to escape this foul creature.
0: Now you had an experience with this before. One day you told us about when you were not wearing a hat, right? That's and yeah, and, no, yeah, you've yeah. been through this before.
4: Yeah, it's it's a traumatic, uh, reoccurring sort of groundhog day, uh, you know, thing to watch out for. And they are, you know, the thing about it is, it, it really doesn't hurt that much. I mean, it's not anything that you will, although you know, I, I, I guess it could make you fall because, it, but it's just so jarring that you're running. You know, one minute you're running, and the next minute a bird is swooping from the sky, pecking at your head. And of course, I guess these are mother birds trying to protect their nests, and they think that you're gonna,
0: yeah, you know. But it literally—they—they they make contact with your head.
4: They literally do. No, okay. they, well, they can't. They—they they literally try, but thank goodness for yes. my. Uh, God- you're too fast for disease. them. Yeah, yeah. they just—they—they—they they, they can't. They're going to have to build a better bird.
0: That's right. Because just the other day, I had an experience. I was running along the Ottawa River in Ottawa by myself. And I ran along a section where there were one or two trees. And all of a sudden, I heard this bird. This has actually happened to me once or twice before. And I hear this bird making a clicking noise. Uh And it's making a clicking noise. And then I can feel it kind of getting louder and louder, getting closer to me. And then it makes this really loud noise right behind my head, or at least... That w- that's what it felt like. And then it sort of circles away. It keeps making the clicking noise. Then it swoops back in and makes the loud noise again. And it does that three or four times as I'm running by. And like you, you know, my, my pace probably quickened by 45 <laughs> seconds a kilometer. And, you know, my, my heart rate went up. And for the, next, for the next minute or two, I was, you know, hammering it. And then... Yeah. You know, I, I had not really thought about it, but I turned around and ran home the same way, and the same thing happened on the way back. Yeah. So it happened to me yeah. twice in the same run, and, you know, now I'm, now I'm kind of scared to go there. It's funny because <laughs> even, if you, even if you're intellectually, you can say to yourself, look, this bird is not going to hurt me. Uh, the bird is way smaller than I am. It's just yeah. warning me. There's no harm that's going to come to me here. Yeah. the noise, the noise of it, and the you know the creepiness of it. It you can't help but have a reaction to that, and your pace, you know, your your heart rate quickens and your pace quickens.
4: And I actually think they come at you with a vengeance. Like they don't just. I mean, I think, and you know, perhaps this is putting more on it than needs to be, but I actually think they attack with a certain ferocity. Okay, that it's uh, you know that maybe in actual, your case. Malice intended in my kid, yeah. There's malice intended. Yeah. You know, they're out uh, So they are they, they are literally they, mean harm.
0: they are literally angry birds, is what they you're saying. That. Yeah. yeah,
4: I wonder, yeah. We're gonna have to dig into that uh, the origin story there. Yeah. Probably was a runner who created that.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm glad the running is going well, despite the you know, despite the yeah. uh, the the challenges with the birds
4: Temperless nature of it. Yeah. yeah,
0: but I you know I know it's a sign of spring when you go for running without a shirt on, and when I start wearing <laughs> shorts to work, <laughs> and I the, just this week I started wearing shorts to work, so that means it is summer for me anyway. That's good. So yeah, look no, forward to hearing for your
4: colleagues too. I'm sure your colleagues yeah. mark the first day of summer by your uh,
0: absolutely. Your,
4: your 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 pantal attire.
0: Yeah. All right, good stuff, Ben. Have a wonderful week.
4: Appreciate your time, my friend.
0: That is Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, the Canadian, who is the CEO of Noon Hydration and is on the cover of the latest issue of iRun. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the friendly marathon. Why? The service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston qualifier marathon half marathon army 10k 5k and abc kids event this event takes pride in being more personal more genuine more fun be in edmonton august 17th and 18th and enjoy running in great temperatures soak in the river valley views and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line register at edmontonmarathon.ca Welcome back to I Run Radio. iRun Run Radio is on the air every Sunday morning on 1310 News in Ottawa. And you can also listen to the podcast anytime and check out past editions of the show at irun.ca. Just click on Radio. Kevin Rutherford is the CEO of Noon Hydration. He's a runner and triathlete. He's Canadian. And he's the subject of a cover story of the latest issue of iRun. Kevin, it's great to welcome you back to iRun Run Radio.
1: Mark, it's great to be here, and uh, it's, it's awesome to hear your voice
0: again. And how's the running going for you? I know you're a runner and a triathlete, uh, and you're a busy guy running a rapidly growing company. So have you been able to fit in some training and some racing this year?
1: Well, this year I'm off to a slow start, not what you probably expected to hear when it came to running. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was nursing an injury after training for um, some 70.3 Ironman races last year called plantar fasciitis.
4: So yeah. if there's any
1: runners um, in your audience, which I know there will be, they'll know what that's about. So um, the good news is it's healed. It's healed. And uh, I got a I got a nice uh, little half marathon in um, when I was over in London, England for a Virgin Sport running event in Hackney, actually.
0: Wow. Tell me about that. That sounds cool.
1: It was really cool. Uh, so, you know, noon is, uh, you know, we have the privilege of being on course, uh, you know, in, on many different races across Canada and the U.S. And most recently, where we partnered with Virgin Sport in, over in uh, the U.K. And Virgin has this initiative to get more people moving, which fits our mission. Uh, and they created this experiential running event where there's all kinds of things happening from, um, you know, you could be doing yoga, you could be doing, uh, it could be the running event of the half marathon that I talked about. Um, there's just, you know, countless number of options um, for people to consider. So it was really cool. It was really cool. It was the first, uh, first time I'd run in quite some time.
0: So it wasn't a pure running event. There were all kinds of different ways to participate.
1: No. Um, honestly, you probably could have chosen over the course of a weekend, uh, maybe from a six to ten different types of events. Wow. Um, so the, the options were, uh, were endless. I uh, actually—I forgot. I actually ran twice. I did a 10k, uh, and then I went and did a half marathon the next day. So it was a—it uh, was a good way to kind of get going again and, and start moving. So it was—it was—it was a good way to kickstart my yeah. run for the for
0: the summer. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, the story in I Run is really compelling uh, because it talks a lot about the values that you and your team bring to noon and i think it's worth exploring that because uh you know this the whole area of nutrition generally and even sports nutrition uh is you know it's it's become a bit of a minefield i think in a lot of ways and and there are there are things that people default to sometimes that that sound healthy, but aren't healthy, and uh, and you guys are really putting an emphasis on purity, quality, on vegan products, and so uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. So, tell us about how that came about.
1: Yeah. So, it's, um, thanks for asking. You know, it's it's an interesting scenario because the um, the sports drink market, the way we see it, has got it all wrong. Uh, the traditional sports drinks are really combining electrolytes and fluid, which you need for hydration, with a lot of sugars. And uh, truthfully, it's not how your body wants to absorb it through exercise. So Noon started saying, we need to separate your hydration from your fuel. Uh, Your your body will take in fuel through different pathways, and what you want is more um, food and potentially some gels, and that's how you want to get your fuel. When you mix it, with your electrolytes and your hydration. um, The the issue is it causes like intestinal distress and, and things like that. So what we did was we said, let's redo this. If we had to do it all over again, how would we create a sports drink? And that's how noon started. And it's really high in electrolytes. It's very low in sugar and calories purposely. So you could pick your fuel source. And therefore it's so easy on your stomach and yet you get fewer muscle cramps as a result. You know, your muscles feel more pliable and there's just a bigger spring and energy to it.
0: Again, what I find interesting is, you know, there, there's, uh, as you say, so much sugar in so many products that, that are, are billed as related to exercise or sports drinks or refueling methods and so on. And they're not that much different from junk food, right? They're not that much different from Coke and chocolate bars in a lot of cases, right?
1: So true, so true. I, I think the, um, I think where people uh, or companies lose the focus is they start to go after um, scenarios of taste. Like they focus on taste to trump everything. And right. I do think taste is important. Don't get me wrong. Because if you don't like the taste, then you're probably not going to consume it. Um, but I think we've compromised as a society, like you said, you, the chocolate bars example, right? The snacks. Um, and we've done that with hydration and sports drinks in general. And so we, yeah, we chose to really take this clean, um, ingredient approach where, again, we'll put in there what you need, but we don't want to put in what you don't need. And by the way, that includes things like, Artificial dyes, you don't need that in your body, right? You don't need excess sugars. Um, and you probably don't even need, you clearly don't need in terms of your body, but even like preservatives. So how can you make something shelf-stable but without the preservatives and ingredients that you just don't don't need? So yeah. it was... Um, yeah, with a conscious effort on our part, we stay very focused. A philosophy that we have at Noon is everyone at Noon is an athlete. So we almost think of it as um, by us, for us. We've actually transitioned that a little bit. Now we say by us, for everyone. But we really design it for us and for people that share those same beliefs as we do when it comes to um putting healthy things in your body.
0: Was that difficult to achieve, though? Because obviously, your your uh, as you say, there are there are ways that you need to preserve the products, make sure they have shelf life. You need to make them taste good, or people won't consume them. So, was that was that a challenge?
1: Yes, um, yes, it's absolutely a challenge. It's definitely not easy to do. I, I'm a firm believer that there are no shortcuts in life. So, whether that's training for your marathon, as you've done many times um to business and the same thing is when you're when you're coming up with a product so the path of least resistance would have been following a similar path to what others have done um and and what we said was no we want to put in there what you need and don't put in what you don't and let's find a way right there must be a better way and so how we do it so it it took so when we reformulated noon, when I came in, uh, I guess it's coming up to six years now, and we reformulated noon to take it to an even better ingredient level. Um, it was interesting because when I first, uh, when when I, I shouldn't even say that when we, um, as a team, when we embarked on this, uh, there was ma- there were many folks that said, "What you want to do in terms of making it shelf stable, get the performance you want, the taste you want." It's it's. "Quote unquote," and I use air quotes as it was impossible. Right. And our thought was, if we focus on it long enough and consistently, enough, we persevere, we'll get there. And we did, but it took a lot of trial and error, and it was it was a few years of development to get there.
0: Now I know you like spending time at events. You go to a lot of expos. You're out on the course sometimes, handing out uh, the product. So tell me a little bit about what you experience when you're doing that. You get to talk to. Runners and other athletes, um, and uh, you get to see uh, people when they're participating in these events, and they need that that nutrition the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I highly encourage everyone in the Noon team to go to events, and the reason I say that is you get a firsthand chance to hear what the consumer says when they try it. Um, you also get to hear them firsthand uh, as they're finishing across the finish line to see what their experience was. The reality is that nutrition um, and hydration should help you have a better day. Uh, it can also be detrimental when they've had a bad day. They've, they might look at their nutrition as potentially a reason for it. So I love going to events because it is first-hand consumer research that keeps me close to who is making the decision ultimately at the end of the day to buy or not buy your product. And it's, it's, it's like research right there, it's a gift. Um, and I get a chance to run on many of these races, which yeah. is super fun for me as well. Of
0: course, yeah. You were at the Boston Marathon, is that right?
1: I was there. I wasn't running, though, unfortunately. But I was there.
0: Yeah, and what? Just tell me about the experience was, uh, of uh, of sharing the product with people there at the at the at most high profile one of the most high profile races in the world.
1: That's 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 just the thing. Is you're so right. One of the most high profile races there is in the world. It's, you know, Boston is just such a special race because most people there need to, well, actually everyone needs to qualify to some extent, whether it's through time, which is the majority of runners, or some doing it through the um, admirable uh, scenario of um, charitable causes and and raising money. But it it is pretty amazing to be there at the Boston Marathon telling people about your product, educating them about it, and getting the response from what we could arguably call mostly at the front of the pack of the marathon and the the amount of love that we get back on the new brand in Boston is maybe some of the best that we get anywhere um, around Canada or the U S and at any of the races we go to. It's, it's really quite incredible. Um, So I guess maybe one way to take it is if it's good enough for the Boston marathon qualifiers and racers, you know, surely it's gotta be um, good enough for, you know, all those venturing on even their first and 510k.
0: Absolutely. It's an amazing
1: experience. I love Boston.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, what's next for you then? Uh, have you figured out another event that you'd like to run this year? You
1: know, I'm debating. Um, I am debating. I'm not sure. I, I might do the uh, Army Run back in Ottawa in September um, and maybe take on uh, one of those challenges of multiple races. Um I'm also thinking about a Grand Fondo up in Whistler in September as well. So those are a couple of things that I'm, I'm contemplating. I think when it comes to next, there's, there's that for running. I think from a business perspective, what we have going on there is we we've recently launched just this past month, um, last month actually in Canada, we launched the uh, immunity um, product, which has been very successful in the U.S. Uh, so we're really, really excited about the potential of that one. So we're really taking noon from this. We want it to be the leading sports drink and, and redefine sports drinks uh, to um, taking it to different areas where consumers can hydrate for the day. Because 75% of consumers, based on the research that we've seen, are in a chronically dehydrated state. So you're going to see a show up from a business, business perspective in many different ways, too. Wow.
0: Very cool. Look forward to seeing that. Kevin, it is always great to talk to you. Uh, thank you for all you've done uh, to promote uh, wellness through, through this area. Uh, I really I think your message uh, will resonate with a lot of runners and other athletes. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Mark, thank you. It's always a pleasure.
0: Kevin Rutherford, the CEO of Noon Hydration. You can read the cover story featuring Kevin at irun.ca. Coming up next, a runner who just finished her first marathon and is already thinking about another. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Rhonda Matheson just finished the Manitoba Marathon in Winnipeg, her very first marathon. Rhonda, Thank you for joining us on iRun Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And congratulations on your first marathon. Well done.
2: Thank you very much. It wasn't the time I desired, but I was so happy to finish, so.
0: Well, that's exactly how you should look at your first marathon. You finished.
2: <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: tell me about what made you want to take on the marathon.
2: Well, last year I had done a couple of halves, and I was pretty happy with my half marathon time. Uh, So I felt I wanted a little more of a challenge this year. Um, I was really unsure about doing it right up until about a couple days before. I waited till the very last minute to
0: register. Really? Yeah. So so you didn't didn't register until just a few days before. You did all the training, but you didn't register.
2: That's right. Yeah, I really doubted myself. Even the day of the marathon, I really doubted if I could do it. Um, So, yeah, it was just an attempt to finish and see if I could do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how does it feel now that you know you can?
2: Oh, fantastic. I'm already thinking about the next one. Good for you. (laughs) Though it took a while to get to that. It was a week ago that I ran it. So, yeah, it's taken a a few days to kind of recover and, and wrap my head around retraining again doing another you know 16 weeks of training sure
0: yeah i remember yeah. when i crossed the finish line in my first marathon and i ran into a friend of mine who had probably done 10 or 12 of them and he said oh now God. is not the time to decide whether you want to run another marathon and he was no. right
2: <laughs> i would agree on that because right after i was not i didn't even want to yeah didn't want to jog didn't want to even think of running again you yeah.
0: Now there are lots of people who when they take on their first marathon they they register for an event as a way of keeping themselves committed to it but I guess you didn't need that as a as an incentive to keep training.
2: No, I was pretty committed to the training plan, and I wasn't sure how far I could get in the training plan. Like, I saw the longest run was, I think, 20 miles, and that kind of blew my mind. So after I did the 20-mile run, you know, one time, two times, then I kind of built a little more confidence. But thinking of doing the full, you know, 26 miles was a bit mind-blowing, so, yeah,
0: But you did it. So, Yay! <laughs> yeah, so walk me through the whole experience of uh, how the marathon went.
2: Well, it went really well. Like I, I slept really well the day before, which was, is always a concern, right, that you're going to have a yeah. horrible sleep. Um, and I woke up refreshed. In fact, I woke up before my alarm at like 5.15 in the morning, and, you know, I felt good. I used the bathroom several times, so I, I was like start line ready and it started out great Um, and you know the whole time it was great. I knew my pace was really really slow though um, but I did take advantage of you know all the water breaks and you know I walked through the water breaks but otherwise I ran the whole time Um, and you know things like uh, when I got to the halfway point I kind of thought okay this is half marathon now I can start counting backwards. And so I start counting backwards to, you know, nine miles. Oh, I do this all the time. I do this, you know, at least once a week when I'm not training. And then I count down to like six miles. Oh, only an hour more of running really. And then when I got down to like three miles, it was kind of like, oh, I do this with my kids, you know, when we run outside, I do three miles all the time. So, and then the last mile, of course, is, it does feel like the longest mile. Um, and my earbud died in the last mile. But it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise because I was able to hear the crowd from the stadium. And when I ran into the stadium, they announced my name. And it, that was like the best feeling ever. So, yeah, it was it was a great run. And I feel like I my muscles, I recovered really well. Um, just I was fatigued uh, by the last, you know, six miles. I just was tired.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear you describe the countdown, because I do that sometimes, whether it's in a marathon or in a long run, I will, you know, when there's eight kilometers left, I'll say to myself, I'm just, you know, I'm just leaving my house now for an eight-kilometer run, and then a couple kilometers later, I might say to myself, I'm just, I'm 2k into an eight-kilometer run right now, even though I might actually be you know I might be uh twenty k into a twenty eight k run at that point, or something like that, you know so it does yes. it's a, it is it is, it does help to play games with your mind a little bit right
2: absolutely, and even just doing the math in my head or how many miles are left, and you know like it just keeps my brain occupied i guess and takes takes away from it for a bit yeah
0: yeah and so describe the finish line experience.
2: Oh, that was so exciting. Um, yeah, just, I just, I, like I envisioned it in my head and replayed it over and over prior to the marathon and, you know, like how I would feel, would I cry, would I collapse, would I see my family right away and hug them or would I need to run to the bathroom right away? But no, it played out beautifully. It's hearing my name and just running through the stadium and going to the finish line and then looking up at the stand, looking for my family to see where they were. It was just, it was an amazing feeling, yeah. Yeah you know, they kind of treated you a bit like royalty, too. you got a special area for the marathoners and massages and nice food. And, yeah, it was quite an experience.
0: Very cool. So what does it mean to you now that you set this sort of impossible goal for yourself? You weren't sure if you could do it even right up until the last minute. And now you've done it.
2: Well, it was a kind of almost a bucket list thing. Uh, at first, it was like, you know, my family said, you're crazy for doing this. And I would say, oh, it's just bucket list. I'm going to do it once, and then I'll be done. Now I feel like I want to get a better time. I want to feel better, you know, after. And, yeah, I just now I want to conquer it even more.
0: Have you thought about where you might like to run next?
2: Well, I know there's one coming in the fall. That one might be a bit soon for me. <laughs> Uh, but I'll definitely keep redoing the Manitoba Marathon. It was a great experience.
0: So you would recommend the Manitoba Marathon to others?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I very much enjoyed that. It's you know a beautiful start at the stadium, and the course was beautiful. Not a lot of hills, thankfully. Um, and yeah, lots of volunteers, lots of cheering, lots of water stations, and yeah, it was fantastic. It was great weather this year, too. It was partly cloudy and 18 degrees. had a little bit of rain, but it wasn't too hot at all, so it was fantastic.
0: Since you completed the marathon, have you been replaying it a little bit in your mind? Have you been savoring it and, and reminding yourself that now you're a marathon runner?
2: I do, yes, I do. And in fact, you know, I would... Uh, I kind of gave myself the week off uh, this week from running and any kind of exercise. And I would keep thinking, oh, two days ago, I just ran 26 miles, you know. And even like on Sunday, I was replaying. I I said to my husband, I said, do you know what I was doing this time last week? I was running. I was two hours in to like a four and a half hour run. (laughs) So I do keep thinking of it. And I probably will for quite a long time.
0: Well, it's a huge accomplishment, Rhonda. Congratulations on your first marathon. I I love the enthusiasm in your voice as you talk about this. Well done, and good luck in the future as you take on more events. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Mark.
0: That's Rhonda Matheson, who just completed the Manitoba Marathon. Coming up next, what you learn about yourself on the course of an obstacle race. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton August 17th and 18th and enjoy running in great temperatures, Soak in the river valley views and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at EdmontonMarathon.ca. Ted Wagstaff is an athlete in Ottawa who has started competing in obstacle races like the Spartan Series. In fact, he's trying to complete a series of Spartan events this year. Ted, welcome to I Run Radio. Pleasure, nice talking to you, Mark. Now, I know you've always been into fitness, uh, but when did you start to take an interest in in these obstacle races? How did this come about for you?
3: Um, Yeah, I've always been active, you know, played hockey and sort of been at the gym. But about five years ago, uh, my best friend and a group of guys that I play hockey with uh, told me they were doing this Tough Mudder event and suggested I should do it with them. And I thought they were crazy at first. and. (laughs) Yeah, four four years ago I did my first kind of one of these obstacle events, uh, and it's called Tough Mudder, and I I did that uh, at Mount Snow in Vermont uh, four years ago.
0: And what was that experience like for you?
3: (laughs) Uh, Intimidating, exhausting, uh, and exhilarating. It was uh, something I I think one of the things that I really liked about um, these type of Tough Mudder Spartan events is it forced me to shift my Focused from being active to being a little bit more focused on training and doing things in the gym and running hills and doing things that I wasn't normally doing. So ultimately it kind of drove me to increase my level of fitness. Uh, but it, it's, it, there's some psychologically intimidating parts of it because it's a it's a long distance. There's lots of hill running. We were at a ski hill and so you're I can't remember how many kilometers we ran straight up a ski run. Um, And so, uh, yeah, it's exceptionally, certainly the most physically challenging thing I've ever done. But what I find the most fascinating about this journey is it's probably also the most mentally challenging thing I've ever done. And that mental part is what's fascinating for me and, frankly, what I've become addicted to.
0: Okay, so let's come back to that in a moment. But for those people, I think everybody has a general awareness of of obstacle races like the Spartan series and Tough Mudder and others. But how would you how would you describe what it is that you're doing? It's a it's a combination of of racing and also performing these physical ch- tests and challenges along the way, right?
3: Correct. So in the Spartan Series, for example, they have four different distances from five to six kilometers up to the uh, Ultra Spartan, which is effectively a marathon. And it's, yeah, it's trail running. You're running through all kinds of different terrain um, up ski hills. Literally, uh, at the event I recently did, we were in swamp with water and mud up to pretty much your waist. So all kinds of terrain. And over the course of that distance, you come across Uh, different obstacles that challenge your upper body strength, your leg strength, your uh, endurance to cross a series of monkey bars, a whole bunch of different things. Some of them a little more challenging than others, and some of them really exceptionally challenging.
0: Yeah, give me some examples of the kinds of things that you've had to do.
3: Well, we we all remember our elementary school days where there's a vertical uh, rope hanging down from the ceiling of the gym. So that's one of them you're you're scaling uh, probably a twenty five foot uh, rope straight up to the top. you ring a bell, descend your way down. Uh, the thing about Spartan racing, which is I'm not sure if it's unique specifically to Spartans, but but one of the one of the elements of Spartan events is if you don't complete an obstacle, your penalty is thirty burpees right. And so there's a fairly high degree of motivation to complete these obstacles for me because. Uh, Thirty burpees takes a significant amount of gas out of your out of your tank. <laughs> sure. So rope rope climbing, um, the, the the classic one that people know about is the barbed wire crawl. So you're sort of crawling through mud or different kind of terrain with about twenty four inches of clearance of barbed wire off the ground. So you're doing kind of a army crawl for thirty to forty meters. Uh, you're traversing over a series of monkey bars. Um, yeah, those those kinds of obstacles. So. And the uh, depending on the distance, there's somewhere between 20 and 50 different obstacles that you come
0: across. And what is it that you are trying to achieve right now? Because you've been doing event after event with a particular goal in mind, from what I understand.
3: Yeah, so this year I set a goal of completing uh, the Spartan Trifecta. and The trifecta is three different distances within the spartan family so there's a a sprint of which is a six kilometer event a super which is a 13 kilometer event and then the spartan beast which is 21 kilometers and 37 obstacles
0: okay and so So you're you're,
3: the goal this year to complete that trifecta
0: to do one of each
3: one of each, over the, in the calendar year, correct.
0: And we, you you talk about it being a twenty one kilometer event. I mean, that is, uh, that's the 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 total distance that you're moving. And some people are going to compare that to a half marathon. But of course, you're doing all this other stuff as part of the race, right? So it's much much more than running twenty one kilometers.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't train, uh, frankly, to prepare. I've run one half marathon in my life. I certainly wouldn't consider myself a, uh, a roadrunner, uh, and, and I wouldn't train to run a half marathon as preparation for the Spartan Beast. It's really a series of half a kilometre or a kilometre or a kilometre half stop, complete a physical test of, of uh, strength or muscle endurance, start running again until you come across the next obstacle. So, yeah, it's, it's a combination of a, of a uh, 21-kilometer trail run with a whole bunch of interesting obstacles along the way.
0: Yeah. So how do you train for something like that? How do you prepare for the obstacles you're going to encounter?
3: So Spartan has, a on their website, they have a, um, uh, some training videos. They show you some of the classic Spartan obstacles, and there's always a number, I would say at least a quarter of them are surprise ones you can't prepare for, uh, but I think, again, this is one of the things that I enjoy about this journey, is it forced me, rather than go to the gym and run on the treadmill or do some weights, I'm, I'm doing much more. Uh, I worked with a, a trainer, uh, Lydia, this spring for about three months to do a lot more around agility, mobility. Uh, flexibility, core strength things that uh, really forced me to kind of change my training a little bit. And you're doing some, you know, lots of pull-ups, lots of mountain climbers. You know, those kinds of events are, uh, I think, the core uh, training preparation for any of the Spartan distances.
0: So you mentioned that the mental side of it was what attracted you most in the end. So tell me more about that.
3: So I, I think, as I said, this is this is what I'm what I'm addicted to, or what I find fascinating, both in the context of the Spartan events, and then how you translate this into other parts of your life. At least how I how I do. I, I'm so I did the Spartan Beast uh, two weeks ago, and so it's a, as I said, a you know a 13 mile, 21 kilometer event, and I'm five miles, just to give you a snapshot of how I sort of look at the mental side of this I'm five miles so not even halfway through my quads are killing me I'm exhausted uh I'm maybe two hours into what for me was four hours and 52 minutes and I'm I'm having a conversation with myself going why the bleep am I doing this <laughs> I'm not getting paid to do it I didn't volunteer I paid to do this yeah and I and I could quit I, I could stop I could walk off the course and there's really no foul with that, but it's, it's, the, it's the conversation that you have with yourself and the sources of motivation that you explore, that, that you find the motivation to go the next mile, and one more mile, and then one more mile. And so I, I just find that quite fascinating, that journey of getting comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: And how does it feel when, after five miles, you are ready to quit, and you actually do complete it? Uh, you, you, I always say, in a marathon, you you discover something about yourself, uh, and and I, it sounds like it's this kind of event is similar.
3: Uh, absolutely, I I I think you're you know you're you're an accomplished runner. I think you you understand well that you cross that finish line, and there's a sense of there's a sense of pride there's a sense of wow i i can do that and and pushing yourself beyond and and further than than you thought and uh i think that euphoria of of crossing the finish line exhausted having completely emptied the tank is something that is very rewarding but also gives you i think the the strength and the courage perhaps in other areas of your life to step outside of your comfort zone and push through obstacles to achieve things that maybe initially intimidated you as well.
0: Very well said. Now, I know as well that you run into uh, a lot of the same people at some of these events. There's kind of a community of people who take on these events and want to do more of them, and and they travel to other destinations to do them. So uh, this really has taken on a life of its own, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, hundred you, percent. You you're bumping into the same people, or you certainly, you know, talking to people on the parking shuttle on the way to the event, or or sitting around having that beer that tastes better than no other beer you've had in your life at the <laughs> finish line. Um, talking to people who you know do them all the time. They plan their holidays around doing events, and I'm not that, uh, quite at that level, but it's certainly really motivating. And um, and I think part of the part of the camaraderie and part of the culture. To uh, to see people, frankly, mark of all ages and all fitness levels, um, challenging themselves because there are people, and I, I'm proud of the effort that I put in of completing it. My level of fitness for for you know for my age and the and the work that I put in. There's lots of people that completed it in half the time that I did, and there's lots of people that completed, you know, late later than I did. But I think it's 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 a community of of uh of encouragement uh, you can do this you can you can dig deep and and complete it and i think that's that's uh, really motivating in the entire experience that people are running past you going you know you got it keep going great job and and i think that's uh, certainly part of the culture of uh of these obstacle
0: courses very cool Well, congratulations, Ted, on what you've done so far, and good luck as you continue to work towards this trifecta in 2019. Thank you very much for being with us on the show.
1: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Ted Wagstaff of Ottawa. Coming up in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk to author Katie Arnold, who has a very inspiring story about how ultra-marathons helped her overcome grief. And a father and son... Who ran a half marathon together? I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.